Hi, you're listening to Becoming Unapologetically Me, where you will hear all about gaining confidence through mindset, energy, and structures, and how to use that to live life and business truly on our terms. We're going to meet some amazing guests on this journey who will share their stories candidly with us. We're delving into the often hidden and taboo subjects of trauma, abuse, illness, grief, and more but making sure to always focus on how to transform these experiences into personal growth and expansion. Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to another episode of Becoming Unapologetically Me. It's so, so lovely, as always, to have you sharing this journey with me and to really feel like you're there. It feels like a a lovely little chat that we're always having together each week. So thank you for being here and thank you for being awesome as you are. So today I wanted to have a really what I think is a really important conversation about courage. I think I spent a long time thinking that I had all these fears bouncing around in my head and so therefore I mustn't be a courageous person. And yet at the same time, um, especially with some of my sporting pursuits, people would tell me how brave they thought I was. And I remember thinking, oh, but they don't see what's going on inside my head, all these fears bouncing around. And uh, they don't know how it feels for me to do these and what I have to push through to, to get to that point. And actually, I think when I realized that courage isn't the absence of fear, but it's the action irrespective of fear, that then I kind of went, aha, right, things start to make more sense now. And so... My journey with courage has evolved a lot, of course, and so I really wanted to share today some of my thoughts around courage and what it is, what it isn't, because I know so much hangs on this and on the labels that we give ourselves in regards to courage. And so I thought it'd be lovely to have a bit of a conversation about it and just see see where it goes, see how it evolves, because it's always a little bit of a mystery tour. But for me, certainly in the context of business and probably actually in wider context as well, but clarity precedes courage. And I think this is so important when we can see the road ahead of us very clearly, where we're trying to get to, what we're trying to achieve. It makes courage so much easier. The analogy I use is it's like walking in the fog compared to a brightly lit path. And when you have a brightly lit path in front of you, then courage is so much easier. And as your clarity goes up, your fear goes down. It's a bit like a, a seesaw. They're kind of really linked to each other in a, an absolutely fundamental way. So as we gain awareness of our fears, we can start to dissolve them. They don't have the powers that they have once we start to look at them, to go, it's okay, I see you. I see you there, Mr. Fear. I got you. And when we recognize that fear, we see it, we acknowledge it, we make friends with it. It doesn't hold that power anymore. And so as that fear goes down, and our clarity goes up, so does our courage go up. And courage for me is absolutely foundational in creative expression. And 
I think this was something that really tripped me up for a long, long time. So I always used to describe myself. I created a label for myself that I was not a creative person. And when I got the realization that this was a label that I'd given to myself, I got curious about it and where that had come from and why I thought that of myself. And I realized it actually stemmed back to a time when I was at junior school. I think I was about nine years old. Anyway, we were in art class. And let me just say that art class was not one of my strongest classes at school, but we were in art class. A local gallery had recently advertised for a competition that was going on where they were contacting all the local schools to tell them about this competition where the winner would have the honor of having their piece of art hung in the gallery for a year. There was a theme, which I can't exactly remember, but everyone could create a piece of art and submit it for entry into this competition. So my school decided that we were all going to take part. And I was somewhat nonplussed given that art was not my strong subject. Anyway, we, I decided that I was going to do a collage and I love sunsets. I've always loved sunsets. And I'm guessing that I'd maybe seen a particularly inspiring sunset fairly near to the time that we were doing this piece of art because I decided to do a collage of a sunset. And I thought, oh, that's very simple as well. <laughs> so I divided my piece of paper in half and all the bottom part I did in blacks and dark browns and all the colours of the night for the land that you couldn't see. And then in the sky, all the oranges and reds and pinks and purples and all those sorts of colours. So I literally had a collage that was half black and brown and half pinky, orangey, purpley colours for the sunset. And as far as I was concerned, job done. I'd done the absolute bare minimum that I needed to do to complete my art project. And I handed it in to the teacher and she looked at it and she said, oh, you know what would make this better? Let's put a tree on the side. And she added the tree on the side. And oh, why don't we put a hill on here? And, you know, then there's a bit of context rather than just two straight lines. And so she did this. We submitted all of the pieces of art from all the children to the competition. And to cut a long story short, I won. And I ended up having my piece of art hung in this gallery in Christchurch in Dorset for a year. And you might think, oh, amazing. Congratulations, Helen. But for me, at nine years old, there was a huge sense of incongruence with who I am because I felt like I cheated. It wasn't my work. It wasn't, you know, my work would not have got the prize to be hung in the gallery. It was what my art teacher had done to transform it into something that was much more gallery worthy than what I'd done. And so I felt so guilty, like I'd stolen that prize from someone else and that I really didn't deserve to have it. And I think probably at nine years old, that was my first experience of imposter syndrome and feeling like any moment someone's going to come and knock on the door and say, we found you out, you're a fraud, you've cheated. And, you know, just for that, I was going to get into a whole load of trouble because everything was not matching up to who I was. 
And so that was my first experience of what I deemed creativity. It did not sit well with me at all. Anyway, some years later, I went to secondary school and again in art class, I remember literally the seat that I was sitting at and our art teacher, we were studying the Impressionist era and our art teacher asked us to do a, an Impressionist style picture. And so I did something really basic. I can't even remember. It was very basic. Let's just leave it at that. I was using paint and before the paint had dried, I folded my picture up because it was so awful. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want the other people on my table with me to see it either. And I just thought, oh, gosh, at least I can get to the next lesson. Hopefully something that's more enjoyable for me than art. And at the end of the lesson, the art teacher said, can you all hand your piece of art in? Because it's parents' day, parents' evening, and I want to show them what you've been working on and to talk to them about you know, what you're doing. And I was like, oh my goodness, head in my hands. And so I unfolded my piece of work, handed it in and thought nothing more of it until my mother came home from parents' evening. And I was like, how did it go? And she said, oh, you know, all these things are all very good. Uh, she said, but the one I was quite surprised about was your art. And I was like, oh gosh, what's she going to say? Or what's she been told? And she said, the art teacher was absolutely raving about how you'd captured the reflection of the flowers in the water and all this kind of amazing stuff. And I realized that what had happened was when I'd folded my piece of art in half with the paint not being dry, it had created this smudge, which then looked like a reflection of the flowers in the water. And like I'd taken some great inspiration from Monet or something. <laughs> and again, this feeling of being a fraud. And so guilt are going to be found out. Like, oh gosh, what am I going to do? And so from Oh gosh, I was early teens I was then. I now had two experiences with art, which had left me with a really negative internal experience. And so I created the label that I'm not creative, i.e. I'm not good at art. But what that developed into was I'm not creative. The fact that I love baking cakes and, you know, I baked many, many cakes and like for my children's birthdays, I've done all sorts of concoctions and amazing creations, which I'm really, really proud of. And I can present a beautiful meal and importantly as well, be really creative around finding solutions to problems. It's certainly something that I pride myself on is always being able to think of a way, even if it's not the most obvious way, that I can always find a creative solution to any problem. And so I didn't recognize for so, so long that creativity is so, so much more than art. And so telling myself that I wasn't expressing myself through my creativity was actually doing myself a disservice because the fact that I chose not to express my creativity through art for certain not mean that I was not expressing my creativity. And so this is the crux of what this podcast is all about. And what I'm all about is that self-expression and having, 
having that freedom and confidence to just really allow our uniqueness to shine through doesn't have to be in the way that school tells you. It doesn't have to be in the way that Joe Bloggs down the road tells you or that your parents tell you or that anyone else might have predetermined is the way for self-expression to be told and what you as a person should be like. Actually, what this is about is finding your own shoes and allowing yourself to shine in whatever form that might look like. And I say this as though it's very, very simple and as though I've done it my whole life. But believe me, it took me a while to get there as well. But I want to share this because now I do live in a way that feels totally self-expressed. And I can't explain in, in the right words like what it feels like to live a totally self-expressed life. It Really, the joy of living life that way cannot be underestimated. Have this feeling of being alive every single day, feeling engaged and inspired by everything. It's like someone's taken the blinkers off or a blindfold off and suddenly you can see. Reminds me of, you know, I've seen the videos where small children who've never been able to see or certainly haven't been able to see in colour and they get their first pair of glasses. They're taken outside and the awe and wonder in their eyes as they take in colour and texture and context for the first time ever. And for me, that's what living a self-expressed life feels like. You see in a totally different, multicolour way compared to the monochrome life that I certainly felt that I lived previously. And so for me, that connection to myself, getting really clear on what myself is so that that can be fully expressed and in a really congruent way so I don't have to go back to that art exhibition moment at all. And I'm so excited because I've got an amazing guest next week. Sabrina is really, really focused on the development of people and she teaches as a professor in management and leadership, really inspiring young people to be exactly who they want to be. And when I first met Sabrina, I thought, gosh, I, wow, I wish I'd known a Sabrina when I was younger and maybe this whole journey could have been shortcut. So I really urge you to, to listen in next week because that's such an amazing conversation. So I really believe that when we honour ourselves, we totally allow our children and the whole of the rest of the world to also honour themselves. But in order to do that, we need to know who we are and to get to know all of the parts of ourselves and honour all of those parts. This isn't about taking the shiny, socially acceptable, nice for want of a better word, bits, and leaving the rest behind and pushing it away into the shadows so hopefully no one sees it. This is a full expression of all of the parts of you, whether those bits feel socially acceptable, whether they feel like the person that you were brought up that you ought to be. All of those judgments that sit around that is kind of expressing all of you, irrespective of that. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in just a second. 
So I think something that is important to acknowledge here is that popular discussion about left and right brainers. And I'm really not saying that right brain people have the stage here because the vast majority of us, we have two brain hemispheres and creative ideas need implementation or else what's the point? I mean, think of all the amazing inventions, for want of a better word, of someone like Steve Jobs. If they'd never seen the light of day and we never knew anything about them, then it wouldn't have changed the world. It wouldn't have had an impact. So actually, both the creative and the implementation side are so, so important. This isn't just about sitting in a darkened room, having lots of amazing, awesome ideas. It's also about being able to get them to see the light of day because that's where the power lies and that's where the impact lies. So that method of implementation can also be creativity from where I'm sitting. Finding unique ways to implement the ideas and finding new creative ways to get around the problems or the the roadblocks that get in your way as you're trying to implement a certain idea, a project, a product, a service, whatever it may be. It's actually really, really important. And this is where, for me, that our creative expression links back into our courage. So how do we take this and generate confidence once we're fully expressed and we're being very creative? How do we actually create confidence? Because that's what that's the uh, utopia, isn't it? What we're all looking for, to be able to work, walk through our lives feeling confident and spreading that confidence and passing that confidence because for certain it's contagious. So I think there's a few things more about what not to do in order to help retain and grow and nurture our own confidence. So firstly, not tying our confidence to anything external, you know, whether that's our body image or our relationship status or our business website or our number of social media followers, because that's really transitory and it can change. And one day you can be really, really popular and you might think, oh yes, that makes me really confident. But if the next day someone says something nasty to you on social media, And it will happen. It does happen, sadly. But we can't allow our confidence to be tied to that. Or, you know, if it's based on our relationship status and then that changes, what does that then say about our confidence? We need our confidence to be there regardless of any of those external things, whether they go up and down, left and right, that our confidence still maintains. And then the next thing is to reward the effort, not the outcome. So again, this is linked to the image. I remember again, in sports days and things like that, the pressure to win the race. And actually, if you've trained and you've eaten healthily and done everything that you can and you've finished third, you should reward that because you've put in all the effort and you've done an amazing job by being very, very consistent with your effort. and. Ultimately, your effort will pay off. It might not be today. It might not be today's race that you win, but your effort is going to be setting you up for the success that you're desiring in the future. So you should acknowledge that and really reward the effort rather than the the final outcome. Ultimately, 
I think our confidence stems from a belief in ourselves that we can figure things out. And I think personally, this is where my confidence has come from because I definitely wasn't a confident person. I was the wallflower at the parties when I was at school. It really wasn't my, my scene and definitely not confident at all. But actually what I've realised over my 45 years so far is that I can always work something out. Like regardless of whether it's a divorce that I didn't plan or challenge in my business or any of these changing circumstances, I've always been able to pivot my ideas and to find a different route forwards. And so that then builds your courage and your confidence that the next time something like this or something different comes up, I trust myself that I'm going to be able to find the way through because I always have. And that's a really, really powerful place to come from. And that's based on our ability, not our identity. And then also coupled with what I was just saying earlier about not tying our confidence to the approval or the attention of other people. So even if things don't go well, that's you know, if people are saying negative things or like I say, like maybe your family thought you were going to follow a different career path and not listening to all of that because your confidence sits inside of you and having that self-awareness of who we are and recognizing as well when someone saying something is actually more about them than about you, that can be so, so powerful in creating a huge sense of confidence within yourself. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's an ongoing and continual journey. But this is basically what I've done over the last however many years, many years, 10 years of growing my confidence and just really connecting into who I am and being on my own path and very self-aware of my path when things don't go well, just acknowledging that it didn't go well, not beating myself up about it and moving forwards. I see it a bit like uh, walking down a road really. And I've got my, my confident road that I'm walking down. There's rocks that are being thrown at me from left and right. And the more that you keep on this road, the more that you find your way along this road, you're learning to dodge those rocks. And the more rocks that you dodge, the more confidence you get to hold your head high, pin your shoulders back and walk proud down this road, knowing that you're confident, you're an awesome human being and that you're living your life in a way that feels congruent and self-expressed for you. And yeah, the self-expression is basically why I've called this podcast Becoming Unapologetically Me, because that's what it's all about. I don't have to apologize and nor do you for anything that you are. Everything that you are is wonderful and it should be shared with the world and not hidden away or kept to yourself in any way. So I have a little challenge for you this week. And that's to spend some time connecting to your true essence of yourself and who you are inside right at the core of you and thinking, you know, how can I be more creative and really lean in to see if you 
If you can feel more energized and enthusiastic and engaged as a result of expressing your creativity based on that core essence of who you are, how can you become unapologetically you? I can't wait to hear what you come up with. And I really, really excited to see you next week and to share this amazing conversation with Sabrina and to continue developing this theme. So thank you so much for joining me and keep becoming unapologetically you. Thank you for listening today. And I hope you found this discussion inspiring, thought-provoking and motivating. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and any comment you think pertinent. And why not share the love by telling your amazing friends all about it too. Making a high-quality podcast like this one takes a lot of work. That's a fact. But not when you hire a podcast company. With our White Glove experience, we handle everything for you. From guest outreach all the way through to publishing and promotion, we handle it all. You show up to hold great interviews and build relationships with your guests, and we take care of everything else. Podcasting is not just about the audience. Every podcast interview is the start of a new relationship. With Weekly Podcast, you'd build relationships with 52 ideal partners or prospects through your podcast interviews over the next 12 months. Do you believe that 52 new relationships would help grow your business? We do. Contact jason at apodcastcompany.com and let's talk.